This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, happy Saturday. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. How is everyone doing today, folks? I hope you're having a great weekend. My wife and I just went out this morning, did our typical run to our local farms where we have been picking up farm fresh, truly organic vegetables and meats and such. Uh, all the way going back to April, I think, beginning of the spring, and we're still doing that, and one of our farms actually stores uh, some stuff, some products in a cold cellar, so we were able to pick up some potatoes. God, I don't even know. I probably got um, 20 pounds of potatoes off her. We still have some potatoes from our garden that we grew this year, but we wanted some extra potatoes. We just got a, a organic apple called a wine crisp. It's delicious. And if you keep them in a cool place, you can make them last all the way till February. So we just picked up about 30 apples. So that was fantastic. We picked up our uh, weekly supply of uh, farm fresh eggs. Our freezers are packed full of organic meats, and we are ready for the fall and winter, folks. I've been cooking a lot of squash, delicious squash, butternut squash, delicata squash, blue Hubbard squash. And so this one particular woman, Carol, who owns a farm here called Sycamore Springs, she's finally winding down her season. Um, and so she is going to come on the show soon, and she is going to talk about gardening in harmony with nature, something she's been working on for almost 20 years. She has a fantastic farm on about nine acres. She has an old Civil War era house in the middle that she lives in. The farm wraps all the way around that. And then across the street, she has about 50 acres where she does organic cattle. She has, uh, I think she has goats over there and some other stuff. It's really fantastic. And then she's got about another 40, 50 acres somewhere out in Virginia that she's thinking of doing something uh, out there with so i'm going to bring her on soon and we're going to talk all about gardening in harmony with nature so that'll be a good positive show folks all right as you know we are in the middle of analyzing dr james giordano's 2018 lecture to the modern war institute at west point military academy and it's funny because i was just on the phone with my mother 
I want to give a congratulations to my sister. She just passed her test today. Uh, she's in social work, and this will allow her to now do private consulting. And so she's been waiting years to do it, and she finally studied for this thing, and she took it. And so her career will now accelerate. So congratulations to my sister. So I was on the phone with my mother talking to her about my sister and her long journey to get this license and so my mom asked me how the show was going and my mom had worked in uh, technology over the years telecommunications she was on the startup team of vonage the first voice over internet protocol company so she knows a little bit about tech and so we were talking about this stuff and i was telling her about this speech this lecture by dr james giordano and then the other west point military academy lecture by dr charles morgan the third and so i was telling my mother all about the injectable stem cell that's programmed to go inside your body store wherever the program tells you to like in your brain and then they could trigger it with a sound wave at any time they want and basically set off uh, brain cancer inside your body. I was telling her about the Dr. Charles Morgan III discussion on the deadly disease that they could spread airborne that's designed to find its target and kill it based on its DNA profile. And I told her about Dr. James Giordano talking about spreading around the genetically modified bugs in different cities in America and having them basically poison people and then couple that with a psychological warfare operation and then told her about the second part of that, which was the nanoparticles they could spread through the air and basically giving people disease and severe symptoms and coupling that with psychological warfare. And so my mother said, oh, my God, what was this guy lecturing these 18 to 21 year olds at West Point Military Academy about this stuff for? What are they looking for buy in? That's what she said. Are they looking for buy-in? What do they need these kids to get on board with this and clap and say, oh, this, this technology is fantastic? I said to her, not only that, I'm sitting here watching it, analyzing it on my podcast. And so all the people who listen to me are watching it. And there's been thousands of others who've watched this on YouTube and who have heard this stuff on some other podcasts that have covered it. So not only is he talking to a group of 18 to 21-year-old cadets at the West Point they're also publishing this stuff publishing it to be watched and listened to worldwide of course not very many people have heard of this but i said to my mom you know i wonder if that is what it is about is it about buy-in remember yesterday i told you i believe these people suffer from an inferiority complex and they want control over people they need control of every situation just like walter white and breaking bad jesse jesse you know that's that's what it reminds me of these guys need control over everything because of for some reason in their lives they feel inferior and so this constant quest to perfect humanity to the point where we engineer humanity out of existence being done by these scientists and these engineers that are always looking for problems and will constantly find problems and constantly work to solve problems when what they should be saying is that the human being is actually perfect 
Now, can we lift a million pounds? No. Can we calculate uh, these giant quantum equations in our heads? No, but that's not what we were designed to do. So rather than just accept that and say, wow, it's amazing the way a human body works. It's amazing the way conception works. It's amazing the way a woman can give birth. No, they don't look at the magic of humanity. They say, well, humans can't be an army tank, so let's turn a human into an army tank to the point in which humans are gone and out of the equation. So what I decided to do today, because uh, I could not sleep last night, so I went into my notes and I started to continue to do some research on transhumanism. And I've told you that I am eventually working towards presenting a sort of theory on the convergence of technocracy and transhumanism. And I am going to present that to you over a few episodes. But I started reading some articles that I had bookmarked. And I said to myself, you know, let's always put this in context. We're listening to Dr. James Giordano, but it's not just to uncover his 2018 eerily similar wargaming plans to COVID on releasing viruses in various cities and coupling that with psychological warfare. We also have to remember that we are dealing with doctors and scientists inside of the government hired by the state there to plan and think tank and war game the stuff that we're hearing them talk about but these guys are in fact part of the transhumanist movement and part of the technocracy see as i've explained to you before and i'll just say this again technocracy is just ruled by the science and the engineers. I've gotten into some of this on the show. I will talk more about the history of technocracy. We're going to get into cybernetics as well, which ties into this, all of which these roots come out of sort of Nazi Germany and then Operation Paperclip when we brought the Nazis over here. It all kind of comes together. But technocracy is just the scientists and the engineers want to rule over the world. And they don't want any illusion of a constitutional republic or a parliamentary system or even dictators. The scientists and engineers believe that they are the ones who are responsible enough to make society work. And so the concept is that they will control the means of production, all of the manufacturing, the work schedules, and then a 24-7, 365 uh, basically manufacturing plant so they can create an abundance of goods, but then they will also be in charge of the distribution of goods, which comes with the rationing of goods. And so this will all be run by the scientists and the engineers. And that's essentially technocracy. Now, there's various... Um, iterations of that it's changed throughout the years it depends on who you talk to whose stuff you read inside that movement it's just like talking about uh, capitalism or talking about communism or talking about socialism or fascism or even talking about conservatism or liberalism right well each person that is in that movement has a has a different idea of what that is but Essentially, technocracy is ruled by the scientists and the engineers. And then you have 
transhumanism, right? Which is the ultimate creation of the scientists and the engineers. And this is the merger of man and machine, where they bring man and machine together under the concept of singularity in which artificial intelligence becomes smarter than a human to the point where the humans have to merge with the artificial intelligence in order to survive. This is what Elon Musk professes. This is what Peter Thiel has talked about. This is what Ray Kurzweil talks about. This is what Dennis Bushnell, he's the chief scientist inside of NASA, talks about. That's what all these guys that are part of this movement talk about. It's the merger of man and machine and the manipulation of humans until the point where humans no longer exist. So when you're listening to Dr. James Giordano, Dr. Charles Morgan III, Dr. Peter Emanuel, Dr. Diane Dulius, all these people inside the government who were working on the concepts of the Cyborg Soldier 2050, which is the fusion of man and machine. It says so right in their document, ladies and gentlemen. So when we're listening to these people, we have to remember that they are transhumanists. We have to put it into context with this overall theory of this technocratic transhumanist regime uh, that they're building this prison planet metaverse matrix they want us to live in. And so what I decided I want to do today before we get back to Giordano, I think it's important for us to look at some evidence, some articles, do some analysis on transhumanism. And then this way you will understand, I think, that what Giordano, what Charles Morgan and the others are talking about is transhumanism. When they are talking about this from the standpoint of neuroscience or brain science, and they're talking about implanting brain-machine interfaces, the microchip, the artificial intelligence microchip, into someone's skull, or strapping them up with a transcranial electronic stimulation helmet, of which we reviewed a couple different versions yesterday, They are talking about enhancing and or augmenting a human. And they talk about doing this uh, from the sense of the brain, enhancing the brain, connecting the brain up to an AI hive mind, up to the Internet. And they talk about doing this by enhancing vision, by enhancing uh, hearing, by enhancing other sensations. And so it's all about this enhancement to the point then they get to the genetic modification, they get into the DNA splicing, they get into all that CRISPR Cas9 stuff, and that is to actually genetically modify a human. So now you no longer have to implant special contact lenses in their eyes or special hearing aids into their ears or special sensory devices into their mouth. No, you could just genetically modify those things before this human, this cyborg, is actually born. And then they will couple that with these exoskeleton nanobot suits, similar to Iron Man. So it is the merger of man and machine. It's tweaking the biology and then merging it in with robotics, right? And giving it access to artificial intelligence. So the artificial intelligence helps the brain get bigger by tapping into the AI hive mind, the uh, uh, silicone-based neocortex in the cloud, right? And so you combine all these things, and then the robotics, the biometric arm, uh, you know, uh, the bio arms and legs, biomechanical arms and legs. So you connect all this stuff in, and before you know it, you have a robot person. It's just like the human becomes 
basically just the connective tissue to attach the the skeleton right and then attach it up to the cloud brain and then the human is actually genetically modified to have better strength and vision and before you know it you say to yourself well what's the whole point of the human why don't they just build a robot and they don't even need the human in the equation and we're going to get to that i want to show you what has been written about transhumanism in the mainstream right out of uh, forbes.com in an article from 2017 and then i'm going to show you what's been talked about in the world of academia uh, on transhumanism now this isn't even going deep this is just scratching the surface i've trickled in stuff on transhumanism throughout several shows i went into a lot of the history of it where it's going and I don't want to just do it all across three, four, five shows because I think what happens is it can get to be boring. So I'd rather break it up and mix it up. So today I decided I am going to do that. We're going to touch on transhumanism so we can put Giordano into perspective. And you understand when I call him a transhumanist military doctor, you will understand why I am calling him that. He's not just a guy working on plans to kill and genocide a bunch of humans with bugs and viruses. He's also talking about augmenting and enhancing the human mind. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back to enhance your mind. My name is Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. And you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Folks, we are back for the break. My name is Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce you to an article from Forbes.com. And again, this was written November 20th, 2017, folks. So that's what, five years ago, five years ago. This stuff was being written about, and I was just talking about this last night with Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, and I said to her, Maria, what the hell were we doing five years ago? She was producing, I think, for Long Island News Radio. I was producing for Douglas Ducote. Uh, We had both been in and around this stuff, but I said, wow, we missed a lot. I mean, we were aware of it, she reminded me. We just weren't really paying attention to this or we didn't understand how it all connected and i said i think we were all distracted by trump on ice disney presents trump on ice unbelievable we are here it's trump trump on ice unbelievable i'm so hot i'm so golden tan that i will melt the ice i don't know folks i should write a song around that if there's anyone out in the audience who likes to write parodies write me a donald trump disney parody and we'll sing it and we'll call it trump on ice i think it'd be fantastic of course sometimes i think he was smoking a little methamphetamine which you'd call ice so trump on ice would also make sense all right folks let's get serious here we're at forbes.com and this article is transhumanism 
and the future of humanity, seven ways the world will change by 2030. And this article is by Sarwant Singh. All right, again, November 2017, five years ago. Transhumanism and the future of humanity, seven ways the world will change by 2030. And now we're eight years from there. See, back when it's published in 2017, you say, well, 13 years away, who the hell cares? But now it's 2022 and things seem to be advancing at warp speed. Warp speed, Operation Warp Speed. Gotta love it. I did it. And so um, let's see what this says. Now, there's a warning on this article here this article is more than four years old yes so what let me see what you were saying five years ago it begins folks companies today are strategizing about future investments and technologies such as artificial intelligence the internet of things or growth around new business models so see there you go back five years ago they are talking about in Forbes, artificial intelligence, Internet of Things, and growth around new business models. And we've touched on a lot of this stuff, folks. We broke down the Internet of Things, we broke down artificial intelligence, and we will continue to do so as we move forward here at the Dust and Gold Standard. It goes on to say, while many of these trends will make for solid investments for the next five to ten years, Fewer companies are considering the revolutionary convergence of disparate trends pulled from technology, behavioral and societal changes, and medical advances to understand how they will converge to transform society. Again, folks, this is in Forbes five years ago. Let me reread that sentence. While many of these trends, and they're talking about investments and technology such as artificial intelligence, Internet of Things, and growth around new business models. So they're saying, while many of those trends will make for solid investments for the next five to ten years, fewer companies are considering the revolutionary convergence of disparate trends pulled from technology, behavioral and societal changes, and medical advances to understand how they will converge to transform society and as we looked uh 2016 was when klaus schwab wrote the force industrial revolution right 2016 this article's 2017 so the people in these various industries already had their eyes on the ball folks they were looking at this while we were busy playing republican versus democrat or deep state versus donald trump goes on to say this transformation will be messy complex and sometimes scary but signals already point to a future of humanity that will blur our identities into quote transhumanism end quote right there in forbes five years ago and as we showed you transhumanism goes all the way back you know almost 100 years at this point but no one really you would think of it as a kooky thing if you talk to anyone about it and let me just say i find it to be quite amazing that you have people that purport to be on our so-called side who are constantly bitching and whining about the transgender movement about the boston children's hospital basically butchering children 
Um, but when you tell them, well, wait a second, that is just the step in the direction to merge man with machine and to completely erase humans, they go, oh, you're crazy. Dude, you just spent an hour ranting to me about some boy that you don't know goes to the Boston Children's Hospital to have his genitals removed and uh, start taking hormones. But then when I tell you the ultimate goal is to literally turn humans into machines, you don't want to hear about it. And you know who you are out there. I've had conversations with many a friend and family folks. They don't want to hear it. But once Tucker Carlson tells them, then it will be true. It used to be Bill O'Reilly. If Bill O'Reilly didn't say it, it didn't happen. And so now we're seeing Tucker talking about mRNA leaching from women's breast milk and things of that nature. So it's finally true. But when we said it two years ago, it wasn't true. (laughs) I just find that to be amazing. All right, let's continue. To understand this topic... Our visionary innovation group looked at three fundamental pillars of humanity and how they will evolve over the coming 10 to 15 years, our bodies, our thought, and our behavior. After identifying the driving forces that will transform these fundamental pillars, we extracted key themes emerging from their convergence. Ultimately, our goal was to determine to determine the ways in which the changing nature of humanity and transhumanism would affect individual society, businesses, and government. All right, so they're looking at this. Their goal of this article, or this research that went into the article, is to determine the ways in which the changing nature of humanity and transhumanism would affect individual society, businesses, and government, right? So the changing nature of humanity and transhumanism. A few of the trends that emerged from this study include the following seven trends. We hope they will spark discussion and innovation at your organizations. Now, I just always try to put myself into other people's shoes. I told you, I try to look at things through the mindset of others. So I say to myself, if I was a business guy, small business owner, and I'm reading Forbes, and they throw at me this idea of transhumanism, like, were people freaking out? Were they saying, oh, this is goofy, it'll never happen? Or were they sitting there going, yeah, I embrace this for the future of my company. I embrace the merger of man and machine. Now, it's quite interesting to think about it. I, I just wonder, if you read this for the first time back in 2017, I mean, how, how, how would you be thinking about this? Would you be saying, this is crazy stuff, these guys are kooky? Or would you be looking into future investment and business opportunities? All right, the first of seven, folks, is our bodies will be augmented. The coming years will usher in a number of body augmentation capabilities that will enable humans to be smarter, stronger, and more capable than we are today. Wearables will be one form of body augmentation, but they will far surpass the fitness trackers of today. So we had talked about wearables. That's all part of the first iteration of the Internet of Bodies, the Fitbit, the iWatch, things of that nature. In the future, we can expect the arrival of contact lenses that can take pictures or video, universal language translator earbuds that allow us to communicate anywhere in the world, and exosuits that increase 
physical strength, all of which we have touched on here. And we know that the VR, AR goggles are out there. There's glasses. I believe there are contact lenses now. Uh, the earbuds that will allow you to basically uh, translate languages on the fly. There's apps that actually do that now. So obviously you can hook that up to your earbuds. And then the exosuits, which we know were being um, um, experience, you know, researched and developed out of the uh, military. And so we will start to see that stuff come out as well. It says, we will also see increased use of implants ranging from brain microchips and neural lace to mind-controlled prosthesis and subdermal RFID chips that allow users to unlock doors or computer passwords with the wave of a hand. Okay, again, this is in 2017, and they're talking about a lot of the stuff that we have covered here. And I pick and choose various technologies to cover that relate to transhumanism because I'm trying to warn you of what's out there, what to avoid if your kids get pulled into this and they say they want to get a brain chip or an RFID chip put into their hand, you would say, no, you're not going to get that. You have to wait until your 16th birthday or something goes on to say however the most powerful body augmentation will come from biological augmentations as a result of increased insight into our genomes advances in ivf tech uh, ivf technology that may uh, allow us to select the most intelligent embryos and powerful crispr gene editing technology which may one day give us the ability to eliminate all heritable diseases now, we've talked about all that. We got into IVF. We got into CRISPR. We got into picking the most intelligent embryos, the designer babies, growing children in synthetic wombs. So, as you can see, what they were predicting back in 2017, we'd see happen by 2030. We already see a lot of that technology being rolled out, getting ready for the consumer-based adoption campaigns. That's what Elon Musk is there for with Neuralink BrainChip. And so it is only 2022. A lot more can be rolled out in the next years. But remember, this is all part of the fourth industrial revolution, the fourth industrial revolution, because that is the merger of the physical, biological, and digital worlds. All right, let's continue. It says, these body augmentation capabilities will give rise to humans that are more resilient, optimized, and continually monitored. They will also lead to implications around which job opportunities are available to those with and without augmented abilities, as well as impacting sports competition with hierarchies based on body augmentation. I'll continue and then I have a comment for you here. We already see the early days of this with questions around leg prostheses and whether they provide runners with increased speed compared to that of an average human. At the same time, augmented bodies will usher in risks such as espionage potential via contact lens camera hacks or even more worryingly risk of a stratis, uh, stratified human race based on those who can afford augmentations and those who cannot. We've heard some of that before, but let me just bring up a point here. They were talking about one, the... Uh, 
debate that would go on based on augmented abilities in sports. Well, not only uh, would we be seeing the augmentation of, let's say, giving someone faster legs, we're already seeing augmentation surgery. What do you think? Um, what do you think the transgender surgeries are when we supposedly convert a, a boy to a girl? When in fact it's just plastic surgery, and yes, maybe they're taking hormones, but they're still as strong as a man, and then they get into the girls' competitions, and they're winning. That is transhumanism, folks. Transgenderism is transhumanism. Now, the second point I want to make is when they're talking about the people who will choose to use augmentation and not. So I was having a conversation with a friend recently uh, who is in uh, the mental health industry. And I was telling him about the shows that we covered here, the stuff we covered on the last few shows on the rise in mental illness and then trying to create this narrative out of the government that there's going to be a shortage of mental health workers, which they said there are, and then driving them into virtual reality to talk to an AI doctor to prescribe them psychedelics, which will be delivered to their door. And this person said, I'm never going to do that. I said, well, what I would do then is build your business because they're getting ready to build the business. I said around providing real life human services to other humans and that will be what sets you apart because there will be a group of people out there who do not want to interact with vr and ar similar to us finding this midwifery service and hiring our doula and being able to stay out of the rockefeller medical complex so if you don't want to get involved with the metaverse and the future prison planet technology from a business standpoint start to think of ways that you can take your skills and build services and small businesses that will cater to other people like me and you that want to deal with humans and do not want to work with artificial intelligence, hologram projections, or robots. I'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold right here on pain.tv slash gold. And you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, folks. So, uh, again, we are reviewing seven trends, okay? Seven trends that emerged from this research uh, into how the nature of humanity, the changing nature of humanity and transhumanism would affect individuals, society, businesses, and government. And we just went through number one, which is our bodies will be augmented. And now we're going to move on to number two. Our thought processes will be faster and more transferable. But let me just make a quick point. I ended uh, the last segment telling you that you could start to figure out ways to offer services 
uh, and offer your skills to people that don't want to be part of the coming Prison Planet Matrix metaverse. And that's like the lady I told you about at the beginning of the show, Carol, where we get our vegetables from. She has this community-funded farm that she created. Uh, We deal with a a butcher who sources uh, organic meats locally. Um, There's a lot of things you can get into, folks, to be able to build a business around dealing with people like me and you, people that don't want to engage with this stuff, people that don't want to live inside the matrix. So from a business standpoint, we talk about living one foot in and one foot out of the matrix to go and make your food coupons, but Maybe you don't even have to fully engage within the matrix to make your food coupons. Start thinking that way. Start thinking of ways to free yourself from the matrix as much as possible. I had someone at pain.tv slash gold email me. Uh, Maybe it was early this morning or late last night. And they said they were listening to one of the shows and I had recommended not sleeping uh, with your iPhone in the bedroom to get the iPhone out of the bedroom while you're sleeping. And they said, you know, I keep the phone next to me at night. And uh, when I wake up early in the morning, I'll turn on pain.tv. Do you suggest I not do that? Now, as a business person, I'd say, leave that phone right next to you. Keep watching pain.tv. But no, I wrote her back a detailed response. And I said, first off, I think I make it pretty clear on this show. I'm not trying to dictate to you the way in which you need to live your life. We are all individuals here. We all can, um, we all have different parts of this matrix we're willing to deal with, different thresholds, okay? And some of us will go full Amish, and some of us will have to land somewhere in the middle. So certain things that you do, certain habits, certain products you buy, it may take a little bit of work. It may be a sacrifice to start to remove some of this stuff from your life. And so I said that that's a choice you have to make. But the reason why I say that is because over the years I've listened to a number of podcasts talking about the, um, you know, sort of the waves and stuff that come out of the Bluetooth, out of the Wi-Fi, out of the cellular signal, and it's not good to have the phone around you at all times. Now, in the end, there'll be studies and people will talk about this, but everybody's different. That's a choice you make. The real reason why I started doing it lately was after listening to the lecture by Dr. Charles Morgan III in front of the West Point Military Academy when he talked about the government's ability to basically brainwash you, mind control you while you're sleeping and using sound waves to set off stem cells that they could have injected into your body in a number of ways. And so, I don't know, that kind of freaked me out. I said, well, you know, I'm going to be a little more religious about this. But if it's just about sort of the 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 dirty waves and stuff coming off the phone, but you want to keep your phone next to you on the nightstand, I said, I don't know, maybe turn it on airplane mode. Um, so it's supposedly not connecting up to cellular or to Wi-Fi. Now, do I think that works? I don't know, folks. I've never run a scientific test on that. But maybe try that or just don't do it. Again, all of us are going to Uh, come up with various solutions and they're all going to be different and this is uh, what's great about it is that people are asking meaning you're thinking about it and if you're thinking about it and you're starting to make moves in your life starting to make changes starting to look at 
as I've talked about with Legal Man, sort of this set of options that you have, you're being realistic about it, and you start to make these changes, then I'm doing my job. That makes me feel really good that there's people out there thinking about this stuff. So I commend that person for writing me. I hope my response was uh, was good enough. And at the end of the day, you know, make your own choices and, and um, you know, just be willing to live with them. You know, you'll make a choice. Don't second guess yourself later. Go with your gut. Go with the research you have. And I wish you well. Uh, all right, folks. Let's continue with this. It says, our thought processes will be faster and more transferable. Both wearable and implantable brain-machine interfaces, BMIs, are in development from organizations that include Elon Musk, Neuralink, Facebook, and DARPA, right? So aren't you glad we talked about this yesterday, the difference between the wearable and the implantable brain-machine interface? So basically, you have the BMI, the brain-machine interface or brain-computer interface, and then you have the different variations of the transcranial electronic stimulation helmets. And so I want to look into what Facebook was developing and see if in any way Oculus, their VR goggles, started off as some sort of a BMI, because I am quite interested in figuring out if the consumer-grade virtual reality has elements of the BMIs or the transcranial electronic stimulation helmets built into them. It goes on to say, these devices will dramatically alter the ways in which we communicate with each other, as well as digital devices. Today, when I speak with others, I am limited by the speed with which I can speak and the words on the tip of my tongue. When I interface with a computer, I am limited by the speed that I can type. BMIs will change all of this to enabling communication at the speed of thought in its full, unfiltered state. Mark Zuckerberg has described the following scenario. Today, when we share our uh, vacation experiences, we upload photos and videos. With BMIs, I can share my full sensory and emotional vacation experience with my friends and family, meaning that you could beam your vacation almost, for instance, like you were walking around with a 360 GoPro on your head. But it's not just video and it's not just sound. You could literally beam someone into that place, teleport them into that place inside of your head. You've heard Elon Musk talk about that. Very dangerous, folks. I mean, if you want the ability to do that, then you might as well live inside of the metaverse, which is a digital prison, folks. It's a digital prison. I mean, if you get to the point where you no longer want to experience the real the natural, uh, real life, you know, nature, then uh, I don't know what the point is anymore. You can beam yourself into the metaverse and live with immortality inside there with Peter Thiel while he talks to you about how Christianity and transhumanism are the same thing because they both offer you immortality. Not for me, folks. I don't really want to hang out with these guys inside the metaverse. All right, number three, gamification and behavioral science will increase human productivity. 
And I've talked about this before as well, gamification in the sense of what Instacart, the grocery app, was doing. Uh, We had the gentleman on this show, the guest who came out of the live entertainment space, specifically Broadway and theater, and he was working on a gamification piece of technology to get people to engage with live entertainment. So we learned a little about this technology through him. But it goes on to say, early innovators such as Uber are already harnessing the incredible combined power of behavioral science. Again, this is from 2017. The combined power of behavioral science, gamification, and artificial intelligence. Uber's behavioral science techniques, including queuing up the next drive as the default option, not revealing the profitability of that ride, which is an uncertainty uh, technique that is most often used in gambling, and giving drivers awards such as above and beyond that spur dopamine release. Gamification techniques used by the company include a graphical interface that brings a video game-like quality to the drive, as well as promoting goals that are always just out of reach to encourage continued pursuit. All right, now that's called manipulating people. That's called mind control, and you will find this inside all of the gig apps and i've played around with many of them folks but you will find gamification inside of doordash inside of uber uber eats inside of instacart uh, and many of the others and as i told you before i brought up lars butler the ceo of the artificial intelligence foundation partnered with keith alexander former head of the nsa we went into depth on several episodes on lars butler and i showed you his background started 12 years ago with a video game company called tryon worlds that was all about the early stages of developing gamification so video games are basically the test pilots for a lot of the gamification and now they're rolled out through these gig app companies and i've said from the beginning i believe that the gamification being tested inside of the gig platforms is actually sort of the beta test or the test piloting for what will later become the social score system app that we will access through a smartphone or VR goggles or AR goggles or contact lenses or whatever it may be two, three, four years from now. But the government, the state, will gamify us uh, utilizing the central bank digital currencies and giving us tokens and rewards for doing such things, uh, giving us goals that are always just out of reach to encourage continued pursuit, basically playing with you, dangling the carrot in front of your nose like you would do to a horse with a stick. So the horse keeps walking, trying to get the carrot, but it will never actually get the carrot, ladies and gentlemen, that is how they think of us. Just a stupid horse walking around with a carrot dangling in front of our nose. And that is the science behind gamification. Ladies and gentlemen, when we get back, I'm going to work through this list. This is transhumanism 
coming to us by 2030, but written about in 2017. And this way we can start to figure out where they are today and with what they're doing out in the business world, out in the so-called private sector, how that connects in with what the military mad scientists like Dr. James Giordano are talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's gamify this experience. My name is Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, let's take a look at this. This is quite interesting, and I jumped the gun there because I was talking about the, the gig apps eventually becoming the platforms for the government to run a social score system, basically gamify your life. And this article continues to say here, folks, even governments have taken up these tactics with behavioral science units in both the United Kingdom and the United States. All right. It says, while these groups are focused on socially beneficial programs, right, sure, they must be monitored to ensure they do not drift into more controlling engagement. So socially engineering, right, socially beneficial, socially engineering through gamification. But we have to monitor these folks to make sure they don't drift into more controlling engagements. Right. And we will eventually get into this. We are going to get into uh, human capital bonds and the gamification of life. Allison McDowell, if you've ever followed her, she's off of Twitter. She left on her own. She has a website, wrenchingthegears.com. I would recommend checking that out. I am, I decided, going to reach out to Allison. She blocked me a long time ago on Twitter, but I don't really care about that kind of stuff. She's done brilliant work. I would love to have her on. I know one of her big arguments that she makes and why she got in a lot of uh, back and forth disagreements with people like Whitney Webb and Derek Bros and others was over blockchain and crypto. Now, I am against uh, blockchain and crypto. I do not shill blockchain and crypto. Therefore, I would love to have a conversation with Allison McDowell about crypto and blockchains and let her explain to it with the hundreds of hours of research she has done as to why these two things are a very bad idea. But with CBDC, central bank digital currency, coming down the pike, I think people can start to see, well, crypto was pretty much a scam and a setup to uh, get people used to digital currencies, and now the government is going to move us into that. I was actually just doing a little research last night on CBDC in Poland, you know, because that may be a place where we set up a base camp, and uh, even they are going in that direction, folks. It is worldwide. So if anyone has uh, um, direct access to Allison McDowell, please 
would you please write her an email or however you communicate with her and just uh, give me a referral and say, hey, he's a good guy. He's fighting against technology. He would love to have you on. He knows you are the godfather. No, she would be the godmother of fighting the technocratic transhumanist. So I'd love to have her on the show. All right, let's continue here. Uh, It says, while these groups are focused on socially beneficial programs, they must be monitored to ensure they do not drift into more controlling engagements. In addition to applying these techniques to employees and citizens, okay, gamification they're talking about, it is easy to see how they will be increasingly applied to consumers to drive more frequent and volume-driven purchases oh of course gamification they've been doing that with consumers way before this article in 2017 what do you think all the bonus points are on your credit cards the miles you would earn for air travel the uh, bonuses you would get at the gas station or at the grocery store that was all gamification and now with the frictionless shopping apps and such the grocery stores are using uh, built on instacart technology these are all gamification all right it goes on to say by 2030 we can expect the behavioral scientists will be in demand in corporate hr uh, strategy and consulting departments so behavioral science how to manipulate employees citizens and consumers right that's all it is ladies and gentlemen it's just manipulation And as you can see uh, from what I've been talking about here at the Dustin Gold Standard, this concept of technocratic transhumanism, let's just take the piece of technocracy where I told you rule by the scientists and engineers, and I believe I mentioned it a few shows ago, that the technocracy is coming in via the back door through the fake private sector. The gig apps, which are consolidating all of the blue-collar workers, turning them into independent contractors with no benefits, no job security, and the ability to turn them on and off if they misbehave. That essentially is like a social score system where the government can turn off your money. Well, if everyone's driven into gig work, they don't need the government to turn off your money because the gig companies can do it. I can have a friend today that's making $200, $300 a day doing Instacart delivery, and Instacart can turn them off and they could not get any work tomorrow it is not even a question that they do that because i told you i did instacart for about a year and a half i would experience it day in and day out and so i talked to a lot of people that still work in that world and they are fighting that every single day and there's nothing you can do about it what are you going to do call instacart and complain well they just turn you off and you can't get a hold of anybody so right now what's happening as you're seeing them in 2017 talking about what's coming in by 2030 is that the behavioral scientists will be in demand in corporate hr strategy and consulting departments to manipulate consumers citizens uh, and employees and so that will be rule by scientists and engineers that is technocracy see how it's all coming in they are just backdooring it through the so-called private sector all right let's continue it says we will be more empathetic The adoption of virtual reality can play an influential role in our ability to understand perspectives other than our own at the current moment. 
For example, virtual reality could be used to understand the plight of refugees, giving us the opportunity to step into their shoes, which may make us more likely to take action or donate money. Oh, really? Well, can I put on a VR headset? Since I'm always talking about stepping into the mindset of the psychopaths that rule over us, I'd love to be able to put on a VR headset and see through the eyes of, you know, Klaus Schwab or Yuval Noah Harari or any of these CEOs that are involved with this or elon musk or dr james giordano or peter thiel or jeff bezos or eric schmidt or henry kissinger can i see through the eyes of these people no i do it every night in my nightmares that's how i think of this kind of stuff because i put myself into the mindset of these psychos so that i can report to you what their plans are what they're doing and what they see for us in the future but they're talking about using vr to understand the plight of refugees or giving us opportunity to step into their shoes folks i am going to have to return to industrial society in its future i believe i started that on episode 10 while i was in poland and then i was having an issue recording there because i was getting echo in the garage where i had to record and i'm going to have to get back to that because a lot of the psychology behind this is addressed all right. If you were focused on your own personal life, providing for your family, you would not have to be worried about the plight of the refugee, nor should the refugee be concerned about your problems not being able to find toilet paper or the appropriate bottled water at the grocery store that you shop at. People should be focused on their own lives. And so, in a way, we made our lives so easy that we end up having all of these additional things to do in our life, and it just completely confuses humans and uh, messes with their actual DNA. We'll get back to that industrial society in its future in 1995 paper that was written that really explains exactly what is happening today goes on to say other examples may include stepping into the shoes of our future selves and looking at the lives we will live 40 to 50 years down the road if we save $200 a month versus $2,000 a month. This application can bring home the need to save over the short-term desire to spend. Well, they wouldn't want you spending I mean, they wouldn't want you saving. They want you spending, right? They said they're going to turn you into a better consumer through gamification, right? So that would seem to contradict itself. Uh, we do not see the app that shows you your future of if you save today. It goes on to say BMIs, that's brain-machine interfaces or brain-computer interfaces, may also advance our ability to empathize if we are able to understand someone else's full perspective straight from their own brain, rather than if they are trying to communicate it and misspeak or their intention is misinterpreted by the listener. And we've heard Elon Musk talk about this, so the ability to basically beam your thought process your very being into someone else's head. I think this used to be called uh, schizophrenia <laughs> or multiple personality disorder. So now I'm going to just click a button, and the next thing you know, I'm going to have uh, you inside my head, and I'm going to just go inside your head. No thank you, folks. No thank you. This is all uh, promoting the idea of mind control and mind hacking. All right, let's continue. It says, we will see the emergence of extreme personalization and customization again folks this is from 2017 predicting what would happen by 2030 
We already see an advanced degree of personalization in marketing practices, but this will be extended in the future to touch virtually all aspects of our lives. Now, they're going to get into some examples, and I am going to go over them, but this is very important because one of the things that we're dealing with today is the ability to drive people into personalized uh, echo chambers. Uh, And so you will be hooked on a certain topic in entertainment and politics or something else, and they have the ability to drive you into a personalized choose-your-own-adventure echo chamber, whether that be through what you see on your Facebook feed or what you see on your Twitter feed and such. And so you constantly get confirmation bias for what it is that you believe. And now everyone will be living sort of in these choose-your-own-adventure channels that they carve out for you. It's actually quite interesting. I have a friend of mine, Steve, who's been studying this stuff. And so I'm actually going to try to get him on the show to talk about it because I find this to actually be fascinating. Also, what is being promoted, what's growing out of COVID, is uh, personalized drug therapies. And so you'll have a lot of these charlatan doctors that go on Joe Rogan Experience and say COVID was bad, mRNA is bad, but these personalized DNA modifying shots are going to be good. They're going to be made right for you. So everything is going to be talked about from being personalized. And I have uh, a personalized story about this for you with some work I actually did in the past and i want to share that with you because it brings this stuff out into the real world so when i get back i will tell you about what i experienced as this technology was starting to grow about 10 years ago ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is pain.tv slash gold and you are listening to the dustin gold standard you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv Slash Gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to Pain.tv slash Gold. Alright, folks, a couple of things. I just want to give you a couple examples of this. Again, This article says right here, we already see an advanced degree of personalization in marketing practices, but this will be extended in the future to touch virtually all aspects of our lives. And let me just tell you, it was about uh, 2013, I believe, I was living in Atlanta, Georgia, and I was doing some work with a friend of mine's uh, tech company. And they were working with a team of very intelligent Indians, horrible marketers and business people, but very intelligent when it came to tech. And they were working on semantic search, which was very new at the time. And so they were trying to figure out companies that they could get this technology uh, to be adopted by. And so 
it was interesting because I was following what Google was doing at the time. I had been a web developer and I was very good at search engine optimization. And so I knew how to, let's say, program the back end of websites and to combine that with the type of content we were providing in order to get people to find our website that were looking for the information that we were providing. And so at the time, Google started to change how search engine optimization worked. And they were using basically the semantic search capability and also the beginning of using artificial intelligence and algorithms to make your search personalized to you. So what was happening is I could be standing next to you uh, and we could both be on our phones or tablets, laptops or whatever, and we could search for, I don't know, restaurants in our area. And you and I would both come up with different results. And the results were actually now driven by your habits, your behaviors, and such. And this would happen with a lot of things. So if I looked up something like border crisis, like if there was a border crisis going on, and you looked up border crisis, and you were typically, like, let's say, identified as liberal or looked at liberal news, and I was on the right and looked at conservative news, I would get articles coming from Glenn Beck or coming from Fox News where you would see articles coming from Daily Beast or Politico. So it was the beginning of really not being able to search engine optimize your site for a one-size-fits-all solution. Um, and, and that was the beginning of personalization of search. Now, they talk about it from marketing practices, and I'm sure many of you who've dealt with email newsletters and things of that nature. If you own a small business, you know something simple, like you could receive an email from Donald Trump that'll say, Dear Dustin, or Dear Dustin Gold, or whatever you put in there, and that's personalized. But there was a story I want to share with you, because this was really creepy. This was going back, I think, around the same time, 2013, uh, maybe 2012, but I went to a conference in Washington, D.C., and it had to do with technology and politics. And the people at this conference were, some of them had worked for Mitt Romney. Yeah, this was 2013 because it was after the 2012 race. Some of them had worked for Mitt Romney. Some of them had worked for Barack Obama. Some were working for Elizabeth Warren. And so they were sitting on this little dais, little, you know, like a conference panel. And one thing that was amazing was I saw that they were actually all friends. They were all around my age at the time. So I would have been in my uh, uh, late 20s, early 30s. And I saw they were all actually buddies. Whether they worked for Obama or Mitt Romney, they really didn't care. And so I found that to be interesting. But I listened to one conference, and they had talked about at the time when Lou Dobbs was on CNN. And they wanted him, there was a movement that wanted him thrown off of CNN. So what they did was they needed to build, the marketing company that was handling this, needed to build an alliance against Lou Dobbs. And he was a big, big wig at CNN, a big figure at the time, hard guy to push out. And so what they did is they were able to get a list, and this was using Facebook's uh, advertising service, and they were able to get a list of everyone who worked inside of CNN, and they were able to get that list of all of their Facebook accounts from within Facebook. And then they designed, so let's say, I think it was three to 500 people. And so what they did is they custom designed 
an ad that was going to run inside the Facebook, uh, like in your timeline. Back then, you used to see ads in the timeline. You, you kind of still do. It was different then, though. And so they designed an ad that was custom to each person. So it would say something like, hey, Dustin, how do you like supporting a racist? And it would have a picture of, say, me and Lou Dobbs. And so that person, like let's say it was me, I believed, oh, my God, this ad is running everywhere on Facebook, not just to me. It was only running in my feed, but I would think it's running everywhere. And so I'm like, oh, my God, now people are associating me with a racist. And that is how they built the support within CNN to get Lou Dobbs out of there. That is called personalization, highly personalized using data. And this is almost 10 years ago. Uh, actually, the campaign took place a couple years before I was at the conference, so this was over 10 years ago, and that's the type of technology they had utilizing Facebook's ads. So this is what we talk about when we're talking about personalization, and I'm talking about driving you into an echo chamber. They have the ability to feed you, let's say, an entire Twitter feed with 90% bots and a storyline that goes along with your beliefs or pushes you in another direction, and no one else is actually seeing that. Only you are. That's how advanced it is at this point. All right, so if you put on a VR headset and went inside a future metaverse, an immersive second life world, what you're experiencing may be completely different than anyone else out there. So they could literally drive you into your own echo chamber. All right, let's continue. It says, for example, in addition to location and past purchase history data, marketers may be able to use emotional filters based on our activity to change the tone of their message on the spot in response to our current mood. And I've read a lot about this stuff uh, because I'm interested in marketing. And yes, they have the ability to do that based on how you are currently interacting with your device. They can read your or predict your emotions and then serve up ads. Um, and don't think of this just from the perspective of ads. They can do this with news. They can do this with tweets you see. They can do this with uh, government-related stuff. I mean, they can totally play to your emotion and change your emotion. And this all ties in to behavioral science, but also into neuroscience, and what Dr. Giordano and Dr. Charles Morgan talk about. All right, let's continue. It says, personalization will also extend to our homes, as we are currently seeing with smart home devices that can set uh, moods with lighting and music. Eventually, we may see AI personalization affect our career trajectory, playing a guiding role in the positions we are offered based on our personal strengths. And we already know that a large number of HR departments are now using artificial intelligence to comb through resumes. And only about 10% of the resumes submitted on any given job are actually reviewed by a human. Everyone else is weeded out by the artificial intelligence. So now there's actually companies starting businesses to help you write your resume to get past the artificial intelligence wall. Yeah, folks, this stuff is nuts. I mean, this is from 2017, but we are in it right now. 
It goes on to say, it is inevitable that our diets and medical treatment will be far more personalized based on the information that our genome reveals about us. And that's what I was talking about early, earlier, these personalized DNA modifying shots. They're actually going to tell you soon. Uh, and some of the doctors that have been out there on the circuit are already starting to say, well, we can give you injections to modify your DNA to cure you in the future of cancer and such. Again, always trying to gain access to your body and give you shots. How about you just give me some clean organic food and leave me the hell alone? That's what I say. Goes on to say here, personalization will eventually give way to customization at scale where products and services will be completely configured to personal needs and preferences and folks we will see a lot of that happening through the 3d printing eventually their goal is that everyone will have a 3d printer inside of their 400 square foot prison pod and you'll be printing everything you need one more story i just want to tell you this because as much as I hate tech, it fascinates me because I can see how easily people can be manipulated. One of the other things that came out of this 2013 conference I went to on politics and technology, at the time, TiVo was really big, you know, where you could watch something on TV or you weren't home to watch it, so you'd record it onto your TiVo. And so one of the technologies they were utilizing at the time in politics, and this was uh, someone who had worked for the Barack Obama 2008 and 2012 campaigns, talked about a technology they had developed in partnership with Comcast, I believe it was, at the time. And so what they did is, let's say they bought an ad slot uh, at like 8 p.m. or 8.10 p.m. And that plays during, uh, I don't know, what was big then? America's Got Talent or something like that. And so they didn't want to necessarily pump the same ad into every house, although you would think that's happening. So if you're watching America's Got Talent and 8.10 p.m. comes up and there's an ad for Barack Obama talking about fighting against the Second Amendment, you would assume everyone in your neighborhood watched that right but your neighbor next door might have seen an ad that was about health care and the reason why is that they had the statistics down to where they were targeting uh the most likely voters in the household combined with what programs they thought that they were watching on television and then they would create ads that were specific to the things that you were concerned about so at some point you filled out a a questionnaire somewhere or you watch certain shows they know that your issue is that you want to end gun rights so they would make an ad that was about ending gun rights and then that ad would be targeted into the house if they believed you were the guy watching america's got talent so say they knew you were watching it or they were pretty close and the way that they did that is the ads would be served up through the uh you know the tv lines that ad would actually sit stored inside of your tivo and then when the 810 slot came up, that ad would trigger and you'd be watching a different ad than your neighbor would be watching. That's technology from 10 years ago. Barack Obama's campaign working in conjunction with Comcast. I think I still have the sales brochure on that somewhere. But that goes to show you how personalized things were 10 years ago. As Yuval Noah Harari has said, those who have the data, 
those who control the data will be the gods of the new era. And what he's talking about, in part, is the ability to manipulate us because they know us. Remember he said, we know you better than you know yourselves? No, they're going to manipulate you into what it is they want you to be. So a couple more of these uh, from this article on Forbes, folk. I find this to be fascinating that this was from 2017, five years ago, talking about what was going to be coming by 2030, and we're already seeing a majority of this stuff being rolled out. Maybe Maybe not fully adopted yet, maybe not like the smartphone, 90% of the people have adopted that, but they are getting close, folks. And as far as the personalization goes, you won't even know that it's actually happening to you unless you start to keep your eye out and watch for it. But the whole reason is so that they could better manipulate you, so they can mind control you, mind hack you. Ladies and gentlemen, all this stuff starts inside of the state, and then they roll it out to the so-called private sector. I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. We will be right back right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold of the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks. I hope you're enjoying this wonderful Saturday evening, Sunday morning, as I'm beaming all of this crazy information into your mind. I don't mean to overload you folks, and I never want to desensitize you to this stuff. I'm only here to make you aware of it so that you can navigate as much of this stuff as possible and to know when you're being manipulated. Just like Mike Moore over at the Thomas Paine podcast focuses on the scams and the schemes and the grifts. And I have to be honest, since I started this show, unfortunately, I've not been able to listen to him. I used to listen to every single show. I had basically eight or ten different podcasts I listened to because I was on the road working and I would listen to them all day long i would just absorb information and i felt like i was in the loop and since i've done this and now i have to spend you know eight nine hours a day putting together these shows getting them cut up and edited uploading them to the platforms and it just doesn't generate enough money for me to hire a producer at this point mike's been at this for two years he doesn't have a producer i mean the young bucks help him but mike does a lot of the work over there so you know, eventually, uh, I will have time to get back to hopefully listening to some stuff that I enjoy. But right now, I find that putting out seven podcasts a week, two hours a day, is uh, it's good for me. It allows me to talk about a lot of the things I've learned over the years and share them with you so I don't feel like all this intelligence is going to waste. All right, let's continue here. This is point number six out of the seven. This is business practices will shift significantly. We will see the rise of artificial intelligence in our career settings, as described in much work focused on smart factories, industrial Internet of Things, and related topics. Okay, And so we've covered a lot of this. You know, smart factories are essentially mini smart cities, and then you have industrial Internet of Things. We also have the industrial metaverse coming, which we covered briefly out of a lecture uh, conference 
uh, panel at the World Economic Forum. It goes on to say most employees will have an artificial intelligence counterpart with which they collaborate or through which their work is amplified. And we see the beginning phases of this. We know Artificial Intelligence Foundation has been working on the mind twins. And now we see the CEOs at World Economic Forum talking about the digital twinning of everything, physical things as well as biological, as well as humans, right? And so you see that coming into practice. I read a lot of that in trades. Sometimes you have to go to the trades or you have to go to articles like this at Forbes talking to the business community about what's coming. And then you can start to see what's actually out there, whether we see it happening in the consumer space or not. If you're not in these fields, you won't know much about it unless you're listening to me or you're researching it yourself. goes on to say, some futurists predict that by 2026, companies will have an artificial intelligence machine as a member of their board of directors. Well, we already saw that happen, and it's not even 2026 yet. We saw the Chinese company that has an artificial intelligence digital twin uh, sort of uh, hologram, which is their CEO now working in conjunction with the other executives. So I'm uh, looking and following this stuff, and there's many more companies that are about to announce this as well. So you're going to start to see artificial intelligence sitting as executives and board members at companies. It goes on to say integration of brain-machine interfaces or brain-computer interfaces into workplaces will usher in heightened cybersecurity concerns. I would say so, hacking of the brain. But then again, we are hackable animals, according to Yuval Noah Harari, the king philosopher of the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, It goes on to say, and we may see eventual scenarios in which companies are sponsoring uh, nootropic supplements and neurostimulation devices to improve employee focus and increase the speed of new skills acquisition. And so what have we been talking about for the last uh, couple of episodes, right? We're talking about Uh, Well, the supplements and everything are going to come from people like Ray Kurzweil, but also we are starting to see the uh, CEOs, executives inside of Silicon Valley talking about microdosing psilocybic mushrooms throughout the day, folks. So they're already talking about that to give them heightened awareness and uh, help them with the speed of their skills and then the neurostimulation devices is basically what we talked about yesterday these transcranial electronic stimulation devices that you strap on your head and basically electric shocks your brain couple that with the gamification folks and i don't know how you don't call this mind control and you cannot say that mk ultra never ended in fact it's operating at warp speed all right final of the number uh final is number seven and that is convert uh, conversations focused on our societal values will gain a great deal of attention as these widespread and revolutionary technologies come at us from every angle and affect our bodies thought processes and behaviors society will engage in growing philosophical debate around what our values are as individuals as a country and as a species and obviously we see all this happening again this is in 2017 2018 elon musk goes on joe rogan experience the largest 
platform of people, the largest audience of people talking about so-called philosophy, right, or what we are as a species. So about a year after this article is published predicting this will happen, Elon Musk goes on Joe Rogan Experience and starts the conversation about transhumanism. And so it becomes part of the lexicon. And now people like myself, obviously, are talking about this. I don't think there's much of a debate because the scientists and the engineers are in power and they are going to move forward with us, whether you or I like it or not. But we could reject it, at least for the time being. Uh, We can reject it. Goes on to say, what do we value most? Is it intelligence, self-fulfillment, success, happiness, quality of life for all, or something else? How about you leave me the hell alone? That's the one that uh, I like. Goes on to say, as we increasingly have the tools to engineer any of these outcomes, some will have to take priority over others. And, And we've heard Many of these technologists at the executive level talk about how they have the ability to do anything they want. It's just a matter of when and to what degree. We've heard the doctors and the scientists and the engineers coming out of the military say they can do whatever they want, just a matter of when and to what degree. So the scientists and the engineers, the technocrats and the transhumanists have made the decision that this stuff is going forward, right? So in 2017, Forbes put out, puts out this article basically to to business owners, entrepreneurs, telling them, this is the future, now you need to decide how to adapt it. So they're pushing the tenets of the fourth industrial revolution, the merger of the physical, biological, and digital worlds, out to all the entrepreneurs that read Forbes. That was the purpose of this. Let's continue. For example, if one country decides they want to create a nation of super intelligent and physically augmented citizens, will other countries decide they have no choice but to follow suit? And that is the argument that the United States makes that China and Russia are going to do this, so we have to do it. But if you look at the propaganda coming out of China and Russia, they tell their citizens that the United States is doing it, therefore they have to do it. The idea is that they are going to do it, and these different countries will play the respective boogeyman to each other's countries. Goes on, these and related questions that get at the heart of who we are as humans and what we value in our society will have tremendous ramifications. And and this is part of it for part of what i think about at night is not just what they're doing you know where it came from where it's at where it's going i have a pretty good vision in my head sometimes i have difficulty explaining it all to you because it's through my mind if i could just be my mind into your mind you'd understand where i'm coming from no but the question is how do we make the case Uh, How would you make the case to people who don't care about this or who accept it and want it? I mean, what are we fighting for? What are we fighting against? And I'm going to have to end up doing a series of shows on this. I might bring Maria Albanese on. She very rarely gets into philosophy, but I'd like to talk to her and a couple other friends of mine that are very intelligent about, you know, what we're actually fighting for. What's the message that we're putting out there? Because, again, we can't just always be against something, I think. I think we have to be for something. That's just me thinking out loud here. I don't know. I mean, I'm obviously, we're for natural life, but I think we have to define that in a sense. 
And how would you fight against other people wanting to modify themselves or augment themselves? How would you fight against someone who wants to cut their genitals off or whatever? Let's just say in the case of a transgender surgery. How do you tell them that's wrong? I mean, we just had, what, a 75-year battle back and forth over abortion, you know, what they call pro-choice or pro-life, or you would call it you know, life and abortion, uh, life and death. I don't know. So these are the kind of discussions that I want to start to have here with the guests, start to think about these things from a philosophical standpoint. All right, let's continue. It says, are you ready to be augmented into a superhuman? Frost and Sullivan explores these themes and many others in detail in a recently published study, Transhumanism, How Humans Will Think Before uh, be, uh, sorry about that, folks. The book is Transhumanism, How Humans Will Think, Behave, Experience, and Perform in the Future, and the Implications to Businesses. Wow, that is a long study. It goes on to say, if you would like to explore this topic in more detail, you can access the study here. And eventually, I am going to go into this. But it says here, this article was written with contributions from Lauren Taylor, principal consultant in Frost and Sullivan's Visionary Innovation Group. And then they have various uh, references here that they used to write this article. But I thought this was fascinating, again, because this is back in 2017, five years ago, them laying out what's coming by 2030. And of course, 2030 is used all the time because of the UN Agenda 2030. And this is at the beginning of the kickoff, the public kickoff, and the promotion and public relations campaign around Klaus Schwab's The Force Industrial Revolution, again, the merger of the biological, physical, and digital worlds. And so this is what you're looking at, and we see a lot of this in practice today, folks. We see a lot of this in practice. Now imagine what's going to be rolled out over the next eight years before we reach 2030. When we get back from the break, I have something that has been on my radar for quite a while. And I'm going to only go through part of this because I need to dedicate several episodes to this. So I think I will do part of it today. And then we will continue with some of this throughout the week. Uh, We have to finish up James Giordano. And then we are going to go back to the Cyborg Soldier 2050 part two of the podcast they're dealing with the ethics of that program i really want to show you what these doctors inside the government that are assigned to the ethics involved are speaking about and then i want to get into uh looking deeper into the cyborg soldier 2050 paper not too deep it's not all all important we've covered a lot of it here and then there is some work i'm going to show you on mk ultra and the darpa brain initiative but i want to go through this this is over at Oxford Academic. It's academic.oup.com, the Journal of Medicine and Philosophy. And this was published in several places, but this is a journal article called Bioethics and Transhumanism, the Journal of Medicine and Philosophy, a forum for bioethics and philosophy of medicine, volume 42, issue 3, June 1st, 2017. And this is written by Alan Porter, and it was published on May 11, 2017. But there is some very, very amazing stuff in here, invaluable, if you ask me. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back. I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. 
You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to Payne.tv slash gold. Folks, I'm sitting down here in the basement in my studio, and uh, all I can smell is the delicious Polish chicken schnitzel that my uh, wife is cooking upstairs. She is so pregnant, her belly looks like it's about to burst open. But every night, we cook these gourmet meals, and uh, usually we cook together. If not, I'll cook or she'll cook. But tonight, she is cooking because our doula is coming over for a meeting. Final inspection of the house. As I told you, we're doing a home birth. So our doula is coming over to inspect the house, and then the midwife is coming over on Monday to do a final inspection because the baby is coming any day, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm down here. My stomach now is just growling. And I'm going, oh, I want that food. But I have to finish up this episode. And then I have to record the nugget. And then I've got to edit that stuff. But at least I know there is some amazing Polish food waiting for me upstairs, ladies and gentlemen. With some big, fat, organic chicken breast we bought from the butcher that we get a lot of our meat products from ladies and gentlemen all right i have this up here and i'm going to read from this uh this is going to be a very important document in our study into transhumanism that i'm going to slowly delve into over the next several episodes and mix it in with other content because it can get kind of heavy and kind of dark and so i don't want to basically freak you out so much although halloween is on the way uh, i don't want to freak you out and i don't want to black pill you to the point where you want to jump off a bridge i just need to make you aware of what's going on and this fits into context with what we just read about published in forbes in 2017 all of these transhumanist technologies that are going to be rolled out uh back then over the next 13 years now over the next eight years, some of which we're already seeing, and with Dr. James Giordano speaking to the, uh, the West Point Military Academy in 2018, talking about all of this transhumanist technology. So it's important to always now sandwich in here and put into context what transhumanism is and uh, I've told you a little bit about its history. We're going to do a lot more of that in the future. But let me read from this. It says, abstract, transhumanism is a, quote, techno-progressive, end quote, socio-political and intellectual movement that advocates for the use of technology in order to transform the human organism radically with the ultimate goal of becoming, quote, post-human, end quote. I've explained to you this before. We've gone through this with some other literature that we've read on uh, transhumanism and post-humanism, which I call anti-humanism. It's the end of humanity. And that is where I've come up with this idea of engineering humanity out of existence. So spread that around there, folks. The goal is to engineer humanity out of existence. It goes on to say, to this end, 
transhumanists focus on and encourage the use of new and emerging technologies, such as genetic engineering and brain-machine interfaces. In support of their vision for humanity and as a way of reassuring those quote, bioconservatives, end quote, who may balk at the radical nature of that vision, transhumanists claim common ground with a number of esteemed thinkers and traditions, from the ancient philosophy of Plato and Aristotle to the postmodern philosophy of Nietzsche. Now, so what, what we would be called in this uh, author's terms, people that are against this idea of transhumanism, uh, bioconservatives, all right? And so we know political conservatism is basically dead, and the way that this is moving is that bioconservatism will be dead, because ultimately, at the end of the day, I would venture to guess only 1% or less of the population actually even know about transhumanism, maybe have only even heard the word transhumanism. When I started to analyze this uh, niche, this space of people like yourselves, like me, that are interested in transhumanism and technocracy and trying to understand what the scientists and engineers are up to and these Frankenstein doctors are working on, I started to look at people like Allison McDowell, Whitney Webb, other people that I listened to, and I was able to basically come up with a rough estimate, at least here in the United States or people that speak English that there are only about two to three hundred thousand people that consume this type of content and so i've covered politics i've covered scams and schemes i've covered conservatism border issues and stuff for many years throughout my career in various ways uh and, and i was always interested in technocracy and transhumanism but i never worked on a show or produced a show that really talked about it and it wasn't until covid land the high school theater production that i think people started to become more interested in this but again i think it's only two to three hundred thousand people which isn't very many and so i said well a lot of these folks only do one podcast per week or they'll do such a deep dive into one topic they'll get stuck on it for three months they'll spend a whole year writing a book about it and in the end they've only tackled one particular thing so part of my strategy in how i wanted to teach about this stuff as i continued to research and learn more about it for myself is that i needed to get to the point where i'm doing seven shows a week two hours a day And and i really want to do more than that and so i figure if there's people that are really interested in this and i'm willing to talk about it in layman's terms and try to explain it to people so they fully understand it that people would come over to me because i'm going to put more information out there than others on this topic and i could really fill in the gaps that some of the bigger podcasters miss and so if you know people out there who want to learn about this and understand it please send them over to us folks let them know we exist and i know right now it's just basically audio podcast form and if you want the video you could join pain.tv slash gold for the ad free video version but i am eventually going to be working with someone who's going to start putting this stuff into articles and in other forms of media 
But I think this is very important. So I'm saying if there's only two to 300,000 people that understand this, there isn't even a base of bioconservatives at this point, or I would call them pro-humans, because the vast majority, over 99% of people in the English-speaking world don't even know what transhumanism, anti-humanism is. And so to fight this, we would have to build a coalition of people that actually support humanity, that are willing to cast their differences aside with other humans, not to fight over race, ethnicity, religion, and other things, and make their focus on saving and preserving humanity itself. Because the people that we're up against are actually anti-human. They are post-human, as you will see by this, uh, illustrated in this fantastic piece. All right, let's continue. It is crucially important to give proper scholarly attention to transhumanism now. Again, this is back in 2017. Not only because of its recent and ongoing rise as a cultural and political force and the Uh, and potential ramifications for bioethical discourse and public policy. But because of the imminence of major breakthroughs in the kinds of technologies that transhumanism focuses on. Thus, the articles in this issue, the Journal of Medicine and Philosophy, are either explicitly about transhumanism or are on topics such as the ethics of germline engineering and criteria for personhood that are directly relevant to the debate between transhumanists and techno-progressives more broadly and bioconservatives. Okay, so they're talking about the transhumanists fall into the category of the techno-progressives, and it's against the bioconservatives, people like you and I, that don't believe we should be tampering with humanity, nor do we want to see humanity engineered out of existence. So the reason why I'm bringing up this paper is there's going to be a lot of stuff we learn from it, but it's also the beginning of helping us shape some of the arguments, some of the narratives on our side, how we explain this, how we make our case. If we were organizing a political movement, how uh, that would work, what it would look like. Um, Hold on one second, folks, because I'm going to have an issue reading this because there is a button in the way here hold on one second ladies and gentlemen this is going to be quite irritating all right so here we go i got it out of the way folks so the article is going to look a little bit funny to you in the video audience i think no it looks okay all right let's continue here so it says introduction transhumanism is an intellectual and socio-political movement that is concerned with a cluster of issues in bioethics in particular issues involving the use of technology to transform the human organism radically the core of transhumanism is to encourage the use of biotransformative technologies in order to, quote, enhance, end quote, the human organism, with the ultimate aim being to modify the human organism so radically as to, quote, overcome fundamental human limitations, end quote, and thereby the, quote, human, end quote, as such. In other words, to use transhumanist terminology, their fundamental goal is to become, quote, post-human. All right? 
I, I mean, do you grasp this? I mean, I think this person did a fantastic job. Now, I don't know where they fall on this spectrum between what they call the uh, the transhumanists or the uh, techno-progressives versus the bioconservatives. But uh, you are going to learn a lot from this. I did. I think it's a fascinating discussion, a really good research paper. But let me just read that part once again, because I think this is key. The core of transhumanism is to encourage the use of biotransformative technologies, all right, to enhance the human organism with the ultimate aim being to modify the human organism so radically as to overcome fundamental human limitations, all right? To overcome fundamental human limitations. Now, I already explained to you in layman's terms from my own thoughts and opinions that the idea behind this is that the scientists and the engineers will continue to find problems and they'll always be trying to fix these problems and the problems will never end. The problems will never end. They will always find something that they find inferior about the human something that is inefficient something that is not streamlined and so the engineers will continue to try to perfect humanity to the point in which they come up with the idea that humans are so inefficient that they just need to engineer humans out of existence and replace them with a new species that they build in a synthetic womb or artificial intelligence or a robot or with the three combined. And so that's what this person is saying here, that the ultimate aim being to modify the human organism so radically as to overcome fundamental human limitations. And they will never be happy with this, folks. This is why I'm working on another series where I'm going to show you old world progressivism. Saul Alinsky, who wrote Rules for Radicals, and his theory behind pushing his community organizers to the point in which they basically eat themselves alive. Humans just destroy themselves. And so there's a lot of this old world progressivism embedded inside transhumanism, except it's moved from cultural issues, political issues, to the human being itself. It says right here, okay, and thereby the human as such. So it goes on, in other words, okay, to use transhumanist terminology, their fundamental goal is to become post-human, after human, no more human. They want human beings out of the equation, ladies and gentlemen. I don't want you out of the equation, but I want you out of my way for a couple of minutes while I take a break and get a sip of tea, ladies and gentlemen. When I come back, we'll continue dissecting this fantastic paper. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to Pain. .tv slash gold. Come over there and join us, folks. Come over and join us at pain.tv slash gold. 
In the coming weeks, folks, I'm going to be starting to do some uh, premium content and some live streaming discussions where you folks can call into the show. I'm almost done getting that worked out. I'm going to talk to Mike more about it, the commander of pain.tv slash gold, and we're going to talk about how to get this done, folks, because I want to start having conversations with you guys and do call-ins and everything else i need to make this a little bit more engaging for me or i'm going to go crazy over here in the basement all right let's continue with this because this is just very important on understanding the sort of ideology behind this push to end humanity in a very roundabout way they could just nuke us and kill us but instead they want to somehow engineer us out of existence It says, according to transhumanists, a, quote, transhuman, end quote, is a, quote, transitional human, end quote, who aims at becoming post-human and takes appropriate steps, for example, technological enhancement. Now, let me just say before I continue with that, think about this in terms of the transgender, right? Well, we all know, rational people understand that getting plastic surgery, uh, genital modification surgery, or, you know, cutting off your breasts, or cutting off, uh, if you're a gentleman, cutting off your Johnson, does not turn you into the opposite sex, nor does taking hormone treatments to do so, nor does walking around with a high-pitched voice or having all your facial hair laser removed. It's just plastic surgery. And so, as you see with the majority of these folks out there, if they really were born as a man physically, but they believe they're a woman, and they transition over to a woman, or in their mind, a woman through plastic surgery and hormone injections, why do they then want to be called a trans woman or a trans man? So, they're in a transitional state. All that part, all that movement, I'm 100% convinced. And if you're out there and you're wanting, hey, you know what? Do your thing. But I'm saying that I believe that entire movement was orchestrated uh, by the transhumanist movement, and it's a step in normalizing and desensitizing people to body modification. All right. So they are in this transitional state from man to woman, although they can never become the opposite sex. They just can't. It's just scientifically impossible. So they are in a transitional state, why they call themselves a trans man. So you're a woman who then has something sewn on, and now you say you're a trans man because you're in a transitional state. You're no longer a woman. I mean, at least you don't believe you are. You hacked up your body. And so they end up in this transitional state. As the transhumans believe, they are going to be a transitional human. As it says, who aims at becoming a post-human and takes appropriate steps, for example, technological enhancement, toward that end. Whereas a, quote, post-human, end quote, the ideal for and goal of transhumanists is a being so radically different in physical, cognitive, and emotional capacities from normal or current humans as to be no longer unambiguously human. All right. So they don't want to be human. They're trying to transform themselves into some sort of an alien being. So maybe the thing is, is that Ray Kurzweil, Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, and the rest of the gang actually hate themselves. Therefore, we should tell them, hey, 
go hack yourself up. Go get some plastic surgery. More power to you. We don't want to be part of this. But you have to ask yourself why they are trying to push this technology on everyone why are they trying to mind control everyone why are they trying to push everyone into the metaverse i guess the answer folks is that misery loves company as i told you about people like james giordano the way i see them is that they believe that the rest of us are going to come attack them and therefore they have to preemptively strike against us and so either they have to make us conform to their transhumanist ideology or they have to get rid of us because we are some kind of threat to them folks it's these people are messed up in the head they're messed up in the head but the crazy part is they have power they have control uh you know why because people that want power and control over others will end up with power and control over others. The rest of us who don't seek out power and control over others will never have power and control over others. Only the crazy lady that wants to be the head of the homeowners association and yell at you about how close you plant your flowers to the curb will be the head of the homeowners association. Why? Because she's the one who wanted power. Now, at the end of the day, a couple of them may fight it out until the one who seeks power more than the other ends up winning, but the ones who want power will end up with power. Watch House of Cards with Kevin Spacey. It'll explain it all to you folks. The inner workings of these psychopathic, power-hungry weirdos. It goes on to say, Transhumanist rhetoric on the post-human typically goes much further than this, however. In his letter, uh, in his quote, letter from utopia end quote for example nick bostrom adopts the narrative voice of a future post-human addressing current humans and he writes quote you could say i am happy that i feel good you could say that i feel surpassing bliss but these are words invented to describe human experience what I feel is as far beyond human feeling as my thoughts are beyond human thought. I wish I could show you what I have in mind, end quote. And this is Bostrom 2010, three, four. This, is, uh, this paper is highly referenced. Okay, very good. Uh, we could spend 100 episodes just analyzing this paper and all the references that this person supplies. goes on to say, elsewhere, he suggests that the intelligence gap between post-humans and humans will be less comparable to the intelligence gap between a human genius and a human of average intelligence than it will be to that between a human and a beetle or a worm. All right, so he's saying that the post-human's intelligence will basically be the equivalent of a human to a beetle. So the post-humans to a human will be the equivalent of a human to a beetle. Not a genius human to an average human, but a human to a beetle. See, this is how highly they think of themselves once they enter this post-human state. And that's why you have to wonder why they want to offer all of this to us. Why do they want to offer us immortality, eternal life, exoskeleton suits? They complain about overpopulation. They clearly are not going to give everyone these post-human technologies, even for those who actually want them but are not part of the group. They don't think, you don't think they're going to get your little uh, goofy neighbor's son 
uh, who likes to play video games all day and who loves Elon Musk, you don't think they're going to give him immortality and uh, post-human alien intelligence, do you? It goes on to say, another core feature of transhumanism advocated by almost all transhumanists is a claimed continuity with enlightenment, rationalism, and humanism. Transhumanism imports humanist values, such as rationality, personal autonomy, and so on, claiming that the primary difference between transhumanism and traditional humanism is that the former traditional human, or, sorry, transhumanism is not limited to the traditional means employed by the latter to improve the human condition. All right, do you understand what they're saying there? They're basically making the case that transhumanists are not limited to the traditional means employed by humans to improve the human condition. It says, quote, humanism tends to be really exclusively on educational and cultural refinement to improve human nature, whereas transhumanists want to apply technology to overcome limits imposed by our biological and genetic heritage, end quote. All right. So they want to utilize technology. That's technocracy. Technology to overcome all of these things that humans struggle with. So rather than educating and rather than uh, cultural refinement in order to improve the human condition, human nature, they want to use technology to do it. But you see, what they're talking about there, folks, right, this idea that they embrace rationality, personal autonomy, and so on, it's a lie. It's a lie because once they genetically modify you from the very beginning, you are no longer human. You are whatever it is that the scientists and engineers created in a lab. You are no longer a creation of conception by your mom and your dad that came from God or the creator or mother nature. You are a Frankenstein monster that was designed in a laboratory by a human or eventually a post-human. So you are no longer human anyway. And this whole idea of personal autonomy is a complete and total lie because at the end of the day, when they stick a brain chip inside your head or they slap a transcranial electronic stimulation helmet on you or they control your world, whether through the natural world, seeing through augmented reality or through a virtual reality helmet entering inside of the metaverse and everything is personalized and gamified for you. There is no personal autonomy. You are being controlled by the technocrats. So you are no longer human, right? You're no longer transitioning from human to post-human. Post-human will be not human, and you will be fully controlled by the scientists and engineers that invented all this in the worldwide think tanks like World Economic Forum that are written about in books like the Fourth Industrial Revolution. And so you become a slave, a complete and total slave. They are working to take away your soul, your spirit, and your free will, as Yuval Noah Harari has said. We will take, you will have no soul. You have no free will. You have no spirit. You are a hackable animal. You will be a useless human if you do not merge with us. If you do not merge into singularity, you will be a useless human. And we will crush you because we know you better than you do. We have your data.
And so as you see Dr. James Giordano talking about the data, everybody talking about the data, folks. So the transhumanist goal is to move into the post-human stage. There will be no humans, and those that live will be the creations of the scientists and the engineers and the technocrats, folks. That's what this is all about. This is the convergence of technocracy and transhumanism. This is the beginning of my research into this, the beginning of trying to figure out how we write a common sense Thomas Paine style brochure on fighting back against these anti-human pigs, ladies and gentlemen, because we are pro-human here. I don't even call myself a bioconservative. I call myself a human. And if we don't start to come together and figure out, and I might not be the one to do this, folks, but somehow we are going to have to be able to tell this story and we are going to have to be able to make more people aware of this and tell people to just say no to this. We have to fight back against this. This is the war on humanity. This is the engineering of humanity out of existence. And this is rule by the scientists, the engineers, and the Frankenstein doctors. Folks, when we get back tomorrow on episode 69, I'm going to touch on this a little bit more, and then back to Dr. James Giordano, since we can look at him now as a representative of the state talking about transhumanism, and we can start to say to ourselves, our own government, our own government is supporting and funding people like James Giordano to work on exactly this, the post-human world. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion... at pain.tv slash gold.